I mean, so you have written this article for us on rationalization.co.uk. Uh, it's called The Happiness Deception, How Society Sets Us Up to Fail. And it's really kind of on this on this kind of topic, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of started it off by talking about Michael Phelps. Yeah. And... Um, should we have a look the at the fact. quotes from there? Yeah. He looks yeah. Like, Michael Phelps looks a lot like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> we know he's going to play him in the movie. And what's Michael Phelps doing just like showing us dollar bills? I mean, that's not on, is it? Well, he's very rich. I mean, he is as well, but also, also Michael Phelps. He yeah. won several gold medals, like a lot. He's the most successful Olympian in history. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in any sport? The, the in full any quote? sport. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. And um, he, he talked in 2018, I think it was after his retirement, where he talked about his Olympic triumphs. Yeah. And this is not just him. This is actually many, many Olympians have said similar things to this. And he said, after every Olympics, I fell into a, I think I fell into a major state of depression. He said that in fall 20, 2008, just weeks after he'd won a record eight gold medals, um, he, he was smoking. He later apologized, called his behavior regrettable. And he said drugs were a way of running from whatever it was I wanted to run from. It would be just me self-medicating myself basically daily to try and fix whatever it was that I was trying to run away from. Okay, so he just, he'd been caught smoking cannabis after he won massively in 2008. Yes. That was when he kind of really came, yeah. became a mega star, right? Okay, mm. so he's saying that that's the way of me self-medicating myself from what? Okay, then how did it continue? And then, well, then, then he talked about all of his Olympic wins. So to, after 2004, 2008 and 2012, and he describes what happened afterwards as being like explosions. So he said that he didn't want to be in the sport anymore after the 2012 games. He didn't want to be alive anymore. And he also said that he would be sitting alone for three to five days in his bedroom, not eating, barely sleeping and just not wanting to be alive. And now he says, I'm extremely thankful I did not take my life. Mm. But it's interesting that he had these moments, these lows immediately after the biggest highs and the biggest successes that he had worked all his life for. So mm. you're a psychiatrist. What's going on here? <laughs> well, I, I don't think you need to be a psychiatrist. You're a spiritual psychiatrist. What's going on here? <laughs> I, I think in a way, you know, Michael Phelps must have spent absolutely hours every single day training throughout his whole life to become no. an Olympic swimmer. Do they have to work? <laughs> to become a gold medalist. Do they have to like, become the most successful Finally Olympian. got those bands off his arms. <laughs> of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then he realized that actually winning that gold medal didn't perhaps bring him the joy that he expected or the, the lasting contentment and fulfillment. Hmm. And also... Possibly when he won those gold medals, he was thinking, well, what next? Like, I've achieved everything there is to achieve in my field. I've done what Stephen Fry said. I've kind of gone after my, <laughs> you know, my own, like, purpose in life, mm. my own passion. I followed my passion, mm. been as successful as it's possible for a human being to be and still wasn't happy. There's yeah. a great quote from Matt Damon, actually, where uh, it would be good if we had the clip. Yourself and Ben Affleck, the, the night of the winning Oscars and everything, because we, we, I think we just saw a picture. There you are. Cause how old are you there? <laughs> uh, I'm 27 and Ben's 25. Well, you look even younger. Yeah. That night must have sent you into a tailspin. Did you go crazy that, that actual night? Did you go nuts? <laughs> Actually, I remember, I remember very clearly <clears throat> going back with my girlfriend at the time, and we went to the, uh, her house and she went to sleep but I, I couldn't sleep I, I was just kind of still buzzing yeah. and, and was sitting there and I remember very clearly looking at that award and and I, I suddenly had this kind of thing wash over me where I thought imagine chasing that and not getting it and getting it finally in your 80s or your 90s with all of life behind you and realizing what an unbelievable waste of your 
You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it can't, it's got to be, you know what I mean? It's not, it, it, it can't be good it, enough. It, it, right. Mm. It yeah. can't fill you up. It will never, if that's a hole that you have, that won't fill it. Right. And, and I felt so like blessed to have that awareness at to 27 yeah, to learn it at that to age. learn it and and because i i wouldn't have known it unless i i knew it you know and I mean? you're right like imagine figuring out at 80 that'd be how and I, and i literally like my heart broke for a second i i it's like i imagined another one of me you know an old yeah. man kind of going like oh my god where did my life go what did, what have i done and then it's over you know <laughs> You realize that it was, okay, it's a, it's a prize. The ceremony goes and he's just alone in his house with this gold medal thing, yeah. with this gold prize. And, and he was reflecting, because he's a smart guy, that there are many people in Hollywood that are still waiting for this and are working in their careers for this Oscar. And he knows that they're going to have that crash after they get it and realize this wasn't the point of life. I shouldn't mm -hmm. have done this. And he had that early. So he was fortunate in that sense. There's a popularized saying, isn't there, that when you try and achieve something or when you when you want to do something that will make you happy then look to those who have already achieved it and see how happy they are oh, wow. and i think you know we can see that obviously it's a good thing to kind of yeah excel in in whatever field you try and do but to make it the basis of your happiness and mm. to try and think that it will give you all the contentment you need mm. you can see that it won't because so many people who have actually achieved those things haven't and this goes this goes contrary to maybe we didn't want to touch on this but it's kind of the elephant in the room i think is that you have a big online contingent of um speakers these days especially the andrew tate crowd mm. who talk about how you should try and be you try, try and conquer the world mm. okay you should mm. try and conquer all materialistic even jordan peterson has a similar kind of yeah. um a way of talking about things right yeah become the monster kind become of. the monster and dominate yeah, yeah. over your fears and and achieve your goals and there's certainly a positive aspect to that which is that you should try and be the best version of yourself and you should try and um be successful in all aspects of life and islam is not such a religion which teaches asceticism hmm. you know the the, the main one of the major prayers in the quran is you know allah grants the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and save us from the punishment of the fire um what i what i think Andrew Tate probably went through, despite telling everybody, dominate, get the, get the most beautiful woman, get the highest paying job, you know, uh, get the fastest Lamborghinis, everything. Mm. Well, I think he must have realized, because he's a fairly intelligent chap, mm. right? He must have actually had this experience as well. Mm. Because why is it that this guy now turned towards religion? Mm. Why is it that he then turned and thought, oh, well, actually, maybe I, I he said, I've become religious, what is the impetus for becoming religious after you've become a multimillionaire? Mm. You know, it's intrinsically related probably to the fact that you get there, you reach the top and you realize, oh, right, okay. So this, is this it? Mm. Right? I've got fast cards. But at the end of the day, you still wake up every morning. You still, you're still a human being. You still have, you know, your base meet, needs would be met at even a much lower threshold of, of, um, of, yeah. of materialistic uh, fulfillment. So what do you think him being in prison? I mean, we can't speculate for him in particular. Well, let's speculate for what would happen to someone in his position that then goes into prison and suddenly loses access to all that thing. How do you think that would affect them? Well, it depends on them. You know, mm. I think that if he is an intelligent man, not only from an intellectual perspective, but also from a spiritual perspective to some extent, mm. you know, everybody's got their foibles and failings and everything, but people do have, can change as well. If he does look at it with a spiritual eye, he will perhaps realize what this is mm. or what this could be interpreted as, which is that it's an opportunity for him to recognize that a lot of the, that, that the, the teaching that he was giving to men, which is that 
make the purpose of your life to dominate others in all materialistic spheres is actually wrong advice, hmm. right? That's not actually the route to happiness. Um, and that actually the route to happiness is finding peace with God, right? Hmm. Because the reality is, is that God could finish you in any moment. Yeah. You know, it's not like you have a guaranteed 85 years. Hmm. You know, you could die the next day, right? Or you could be thrown in prison the next day for something you did or did not do, hmm. right? And all that could be taken away from you. And so this is an actual fact, something that everybody can reflect on and learn from and remember, realize, which is that you've got to have, if you're just, let me put it like this for the Andrew Tate fans out there. And, and there are some things I think he says, which are quite insightful with respect to gender dynamics, and we can get to them in other videos. But this is something I think which is very important to say to people, which is that if you're striving to dominate people in this life, you've set your sights too low. Okay? <laughs> you've actually set your sights so pathetically low, right, that in the Quran and in the Islam, in Islam and in Islamic terminology, you were described as a worm of the earth, hmm. right? That's what you are. You're a worm who just subsists on material stuff, and ultimately you'll perish, and all that you are will have died within 50 years anyway. So, so that's the perspective of somebody who's, who makes materialism the focus of their life. The, those who really understand Islam and really understand God, they will try and seek seek to transcend death through their good deeds in the sense that they recognize that they will transcend death and they are preparing for their next life, mm. right? And that is their real goal because they're not interested in this these materialistic, you know, egotistical battles between individuals. They're looking at the day of judgment when all mankind will be arrayed, mm. you know? And I guess the interesting thing is those people <clears throat> that have truly dominated the world throughout history have been those that have, yes. have submitted to God and have been prophets of God. Yes. And they are also the people that have been able to deal with suffering the best. So if we look at the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he lost so many children, you know. Over 10, wasn't it? Over 10 seems... children. And um, had had so many different kind of sufferings and struggles and difficulties in his life. If we think about the Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, mm -hmm. even when he was about to be crucified, it was him that was comforting his, his disciples, not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, there's there's a quote from the Bible in Psalms that says, even if I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Talking mm. about God, God being with them. And I think that's really the way to kind of transcend the world in a way. It's it's to know that God is with you, to have a relationship with God and to be able to um, walk even through difficult situations and be able to come out of them with your faith intact and with, yeah. The, the, the if I may. The 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 the, nece the necessary factor to that to attain that though is humility. Yeah, you know because the reality is is that God's not going to walk with you if you think you're all that. Mm. Because so it's not self affirmation in the mirror every morning about not, how awesome you are. No, it's not. It's actually <laughs> it's actually stems from a place of recognition of your total worthlessness. Mm. Now now you know that again runs contrary to the kind of. The sayings that, that people will say, you know, from the kind of motivational motivational crowd, crowd. <laughs> but actually, that's the self secret. improvement. People, the, yeah. the, the secret is not telling yourself you're nothing and then following it up with nothing else. The secret is actually confessing before God that you're nothing and that God has all power and that you seek the refuge and protection of God mm. ultimately. So it's not that you're going out into the wilderness naked, right? You're going out there with God. So you couldn't yeah. you couldn't be better protected and, and better shielded, but at the end of the day, God's not going to walk with somebody who's got a big chip on their shoulder and a big ego, mm. because God expects you. What is it? How are you going to walk with God if you can't even recognize God? 
I mean, the way to recognize God is an actual fact, you know, to recognize that God is beyond you. He's mm. actually far beyond you. You will never know God. You will never in actual fact even reach God because he's infinite, mm. right? And you're a finite being. So I think that step and, and recognizing your own nothingness along with God's perfect absolutism, mm. that's an actual fact which brings true peace, mm. true contentment. But... Uh, if you think that you're all that, and then you approach God saying, well, I, you know, with this kind of ego in you, when real, that realistically, you're a piece of dust. Yeah. You know, you're just a piece of dust in front of God. Not even a piece of dust, actually. Mm. You're nothing. <laughs> you're a zero. Yeah. So, I mean, then, then at the end of the day, God's not going to come near to you, because why would God want to come near to somebody like that? I mean, I, I always reflect that, you know, we, we don't control our own heartbeat. Even if you look at the, you know, electrophysiology of the heart, we don't really understand, A, how the, heart's t how the heart beats, but we have no control over it. And that is the basis of our entire life, moment to moment. So whatever capacities we think we have, it's dependent upon something which we have no control over. And the capacities that we exercise, we generally were given. And even if we exercise them half the time, our, well, our intentions all of the time only come, have an effect through God's grace as well. Um, so... Yeah, again, we are really absolutely nothing, and that does go against the uh, the the self improvement motivational motivational crowd. But that's because they don't have a belief in God, so they have to tell themselves, they have to artificially inflate their balloon hmm. because they if they deflate it, there's nothing to catch them. <laughs> yeah, so they're living their lives trying to <coughs> function, feel in control, trying to feel as have if, a sense of meaning. And yeah, purpose. a sense of meaning and purpose, but also control over their lives. But mm. then if they think about it, they realize that actually they have no control and they also have no external being or higher power. So it's a coping to, mechanism. To to. Yeah. Self-improvement <laughs> philosophy is basically a coping mechanism with meaninglessness. Whereas if you have a, um, if you have a theistic, a truly theistic and spiritual outlook, then you have a purpose. And that purpose is the, is nearness to God, is a, is a love of God, knowledge and worship of God, because mm. that is the purpose that you were born to fulfill. And that is the only mm. thing in which you can ever find true contentment. And it transcends death. And it transcends death if you, well, either way, it's going to transcend death yeah. for better or for worse. <laughs> I mean, you look at, for example, the, um, the you know, what reminds me of Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, the man, the, the general who effectively humbled the entire Persian empire of 1500, 2000 year old empire. He humbled in a year and a half before mm. going on to smash the Romans. Mm. Right. He, he started with an army and, and they didn't really get replenished. <laughs> and he, just, he started with an army of like 20,000 soldiers. And he, they just fought battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle. They didn't go back. They didn't get replenished. They just fought all of the Persian armies and defeated them. And one of the things he would say to the, uh, to the, to the, he would write to the, um, the opposing camp when they were about to fight, he said, said to them, look, please, these are our surrender terms before we fight. So, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to fight us if you agree to these terms. And he would say, saying that he would say, we are a people who love death as you love life. Mm. And that's a terrifying, that's a terrifying statement if you're fighting people who actually mm. believe that. Mm. And the reason is, is because death for them was not the end. It is only a portal. Mm. And they knew it. They, they realized it. They under, because the God spoke to these people. These poor companions of the prophet, peace be upon him. Mm. So, you know, so when you attain that level of knowledge whereby you are not seeing things with a 50 year eye or a hundred year eye, you're looking at things with the eye of eternity. Yeah. You yeah. know, who's going to care about 
You're making the Lamborghini and your Ferrari. It's pathetic. Yeah. And I guess those people that are are not afraid of death are probably quite difficult to kill. So it makes them courageous and <laughs> yeah. valiant. And able to fight the <laughs> They'll take those risks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's absolutely right. They will They will fight with the intention of dying. You know, mm. and this is what the Promised Messiah, the founder of the community, African Muslim community said is that <clears throat> these people would go forth to battle, having said goodbye to their family members, committed to not returning. Committed to not, they're like, I've never seen my family again. And they don't think about them anymore. They go go forth, mm -hmm. right? So the question is, how are you gonna? How are you going to? One, that's an extremely powerful way of of being successful in the world as well. That kind of commitment from a worldly perspective, um, but also it just kind of is so much. It just shows such a grander perspective on life than this kind of materialistic worm-of-the-earth behavior. Well, even even then, I mean, yes, they're not seeing their family again, but ultimately they believe that they will meet in the afterlife. Yes. And the well, legacy yeah. Yeah. of blessings that they will leave for their family is so much greater than their presence. You're present for your family, but if you had the opportunity to go and, you know, give your life in the way of God, the blessings that that would attract to God would have a far greater effect than your mere presence. Yeah.